God had it set up for this man of God to be in town. His name is none other than Pastor Brad Aldrich, pastoring for over 27 years in the beautiful city of Paris, Texas. Now they live in a place called Cool, Texas. Is that even possible? Apparently it is for Texas to be cool. But he and his lovely wife, Mother Aldrich, they're living in Cool, Texas, and they have come in town today. And Pastor Brad, we call him Papa Aldrich, he's going to come today and deliver the word for from the Lord. So I want him to come up at this time. While you're standing, can we give him a, a warm Arc Detroit welcome? Amen. And this is family. Mama, Papa Aldridge and Mama Aldridge, they came together and made Lindsay Aldridge. So you know these are bad people. What you talking about? Am I right about it? So he's going to come today, and we're just going to let the Lord just use him. We're going to get ourselves out the way and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Remember, he spoke the last time. Y'all was like, boy, we don't want you to preach today. We want to hear from him. Y'all remember that? Well, we brought him back. Amen. So everybody just stretch your hands this way, just like Lindsay. Look, you're going to give me a cloth. This is Lindsay's dad. Thank you. But let's stretch your hands toward him right now. Say, God, we thank you for this man of God and for what you've done in his life for what you're doing in his life and for what you're going to do in his life. We receive this word through him today in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for Pastor Brad Aldrich. Thank you, Boyd. It is fun to, uh, to be here again. It's always fun to travel north and come see I'm not going to lie, mainly Lindsay, but you guys too. And uh, we appreciate the way that you have embraced her. And uh, she loves you, but she's still mine. And she will be mine. No, it is good to be here, though I have to say, by being here this particular weekend, I am missing... The Crazy Water Festival. That's right. The Crazy Water Festival is going on right now back home. And uh, you may be thinking, what is the Crazy Water Festival? I don't know because I just moved to Cool. And we live in Cool, but five miles from us is a little town called Mineral Wells. Mineral Wells, Texas. And Mineral Wells, Texas is the home of Crazy Water. And that's a real thing. It's still sold in the stores. You can go on Amazon. <clears throat> I wanted to bring some. I didn't think they'd let me bring it on the plane. <clears throat> but you can still go buy crazy water. There's two, three, and four. Three different levels of crazy water. So depending on how crazy you are, you want a bigger number, <clears throat> right? So here's how the legend goes. Supposedly, back in the day, 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago, there was a crazy woman in Mineral Wells. And she began to drink the mineral water that came from the wells in that town. And the more she drank, she became healed of her illness, of her mental illness. Now, I don't know if that is true, if that is legend, but that's what people began to believe. And so people literally began to come to Mineral Wells, Texas. You can't fly there. You got to fly into Dallas and then about, or DFW, and then about an hour drive west will get you to Mineral Wells, Texas. And people began to come to Mineral Wells, Texas to bathe 
in the mineral baths and to bathe in that water, believing that, hey, this woman drank it. I'm going to soak in it, and it's going to heal me, and it's going to make me well. And so people came from all over the country, I believe some would say all over the world, to this little town outside of cool Texas where the mineral water was bottled, where it was pooled. Now, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if that's legend or if that's myth. Here's what I know. The people still today are bottling crazy water. I'm going to send you some. I'm going to get on Amazon. Y'all get off Amazon. Quit looking. I promise you, I'm telling you the truth, but you can get on Amazon and you can buy a case of crazy water. People still believed that. Here's the other thing I know. That's not far off of a belief about some water in Scripture. And I'm not talking about when Jesus said, I am the living water. That's his answer to what I believe these people were thinking. But there was a source of water. I mentioned it, and I mentioned the, the context of it last time, earlier this summer when I was here. And I just want to dive a little deeper, no pun, dive a little deeper into that. And just see what it is the Lord was talking about. What was the con? Why was he talking <clears throat> to this man by this pool that was called Bethesda? So look, if you want to, in John chapter 5, the, the water, was, the, the source was called the pool of Bethesda, and it was just, just outside of the temple. It was in the city, and people gathered there like people come to Mineral Wells, Texas, thinking maybe, maybe this is true. Maybe this can, maybe this will heal me of my ailment, whether that be physical or mental or whatever the situation was for them. So John chapter 5, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to the city of Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. And there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And it is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. So picture that with me for a minute, if you would. <clears throat> There's this pool. My understanding, it was about the size of a football field, including the end zones. So... <clears throat> Uh, that long, that wide, and around that were five porches that were covered. And under those porches, people gathered. And they laid there with hope. That hope that maybe, just maybe, this is my day. Now, some translations have a phrase that goes on to say, at a certain time, the water was stirred or troubled by an angel of the Lord. And whoever stepped in first was healed of whatever disease they had. 
Now that is debated a little bit. In fact, you're tra- if you're reading along, you may not even have a verse 4 because that's where that would have been. It's debated whether or not is that really an angel of the Lord? Is that, did that stirring really happen? Is that myth? Is that legend? Is that truth? Here's what is true. Is that the people believed it. The people believed. The people placed hope in the fact that that maybe someday is my turn to get down into the water before anybody else. Now, think that through with me. We're talking about my God who is a compassionate God, a merciful God. That doesn't seem like my personal God who wants to engage with each and every one of us on a personal level to send an angel to stir the water and sit back and wait and hope that that somebody or watch as somebody tries to scramble. You know what else it doesn't seem like? That doesn't seem, that seems cruel. It does to me. Think about who is laying under those porches, the paralyzed, the blind, they don't know which direction the pool is. The paralyzed can see it, but they can't get to it. Some are just so sick and weak, all they can do is watch. That doesn't sound to me like my God. But focus on the fact that these people were placing their hope in that. These people gathered there. So Jesus comes on the scene. The J.B. Phillips translation, it says, many had made a habit of lying there. Many had made a habit of lying around. Many of us have made some habits and began to place hope in something that cannot deliver. And that's what we're going to see in this encounter with this man. But to think that, that God would, would, would wait as people in desperation scrambled to the water. <clears throat> Though, again, that's a picture to me of how today People still are desperate, desperately looking for something to deliver them, desperately looking for someone to give them hope, desperately looking for a way to get out of, to get beyond, to get into something better. And that's the setting that we're looking at with this man. But it may also be the setting that you are living out. You may be that man who, by the way, had been in a condition for 38 years. When Jesus comes upon him, he sees everybody. But he sees the individual. Don't lose that. He sees this individual and he engages with him. And he knows what this man has been through. He knows what I have been through, what you have been through. But I am here. You are here. So John chapter 5, 
These people are all sprawled out. And chapter, verse 5 says, One who had been an invalid for 38 years, and Jesus saw him lying there and knew that, had been, that he had been in that condition for a long, long time. Jesus saw him and knew. He knows. He sees you today. And he knows how you came in. But he also knows how you can go out. So Jesus sees this man. And he engages in conversation with him. And this man, 38 years, day after day, has been thinking, maybe today. Maybe this is my day. Maybe this is the day that I can be relieved. That I can have something different. And Jesus asks him the question. And I said this summer, I think it is the greatest question, not just in Scripture, but in all of history. Jesus asks him, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? You know, on the surface, that sounds like such a foolish question. How do you ask a man who's been in that condition 38 years, hey, <clears throat> would you like me to change something? But Jesus knows that not all of us want to be made whole. Jesus knows that some of you here this morning are here for church, not here for him. That some people show up and they just join the crowd and they just lay there by the pool and they just watch as other people experience something and they wonder, why not me? Why not me? Well, this man, 38 years, he's been in that condition. Seems like such a simple question, but it's not simple at all. His condition may not be favorable. It's not, but it's familiar. It may not be excellent, but it's easy. He knows what to expect. He knows what every day is going to bring. Same struggles, same pain, same questions. Oh, but this day, there's a new question. Same questions, same battles that sound a little familiar. Is that how some of us feel this morning? Not just day after day after day. When's it going to change? Can I suggest that it changed today? Can I suggest that today you listen to what we're about to look at? This man, familiar but not favorable. Please notice, Jesus did not ask the man, do you want to walk? He didn't ask him that. He didn't say, hey, do you need some help? Do you want me to help you into, into the pool when the waters are troubled and stirred? He didn't ask him that. What he asked him was, do you want to be made whole? 
obviously on the surface, the man did. In his understanding of hope. Because he was thinking, walk again. He was thinking, healed physically of his ailment. Or he wouldn't have answered the question the way he answered the question. Because the way he answered the question was, but sir, I don't have anybody to help me. I, uh, the water stirs. If it did, the water stirs. And I don't have any way to get in. Paralyzed 38 years. So naturally he's thinking, yeah, I, 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 I want to be healed. But does he want to be whole? Because Jesus is asking such a deeper question than do you want to walk again? And he asks us the same. Well, I believe what he's saying to this man is you want to experience life the way the creator of the universe created you to live life? That's the question. What he's asking the man is, are you satisfied with what you have? Or do you want more? Do you want more out of life than you currently are experiencing? Are you tired of living like this? Some of you are. Some of you are tired. I'm tired. There's days I'm tired. And I know, apart from the Lord, there is no hope. So many ways I can think of this man answering the question. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But I'm tired. But this is comfortable. This is familiar. I've been in this rut. I don't know any different. I don't know any better. Maybe he looks around and he sees what others have and, and he thinks, why not me? And Jesus is saying, why not you? Jesus is saying today, do you want to be made Remember, the one asking the question is the same one who said, I have come that you can have life and have it abundantly. Not just eternally. Not just here to give you salvation, which you cannot have without him. <clears throat> but to give you life abundantly, life overflowing, life to its fullest. One translation says, I have come that you can have life Real life. And he's asking this man, do you want that? Do you want that? I can give that to you. Uh, Jesus is saying that. Jesus is saying to this man, I can give you what you cannot imagine. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? More than we could ever Ask or imagine is the God that we're talking about and the one who is offering. See, this whole encounter, it wasn't about Jesus' ability. 
And it wasn't about Jesus' willingness. It was about the man's desire. It was about his hunger. This morning, it isn't about Jesus' ability and his willingness. We know that. What we don't know is the level of hunger and desire that you and I have for something more. Most of us want more. Most of us want more out of life. I don't know very many people who would say, no, nah, I'm good. But more what, I think, is the question. You know, more, more money or more meaning? More gold and glitz and glamour or more godliness? More happiness or more holiness? What do you want more of this morning? You want more power, more prestige, more of a position, or do you want more of the presence of the living God? Because that's the question Jesus was asking him, and it's the question that Jesus is asking us. Do you want to be made whole? I'm not going to let you leave here this morning without answering that question. And you got my back. Some of you are settling for chopped beef when the Lord God Almighty is offering a juicy center cut ribeye. Why? Why? Why would you settle? For something so much less when you know you've been told I know you've been told I've heard Boyd tell you that I've heard Mike tell you that we've sung about it you know there's more now nah, just give me that quarter pounder remember the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 3. When he came to that point and he said, you know what? Everything that I have ever accomplished, everything that I have ever accumulated, I consider waste. Garbage, rubbish. Compared to what? Compared to knowing Jesus. Compared to knowing the Lord Jesus. Can you say that this morning? I mean, I know you can say the words, but can you say this morning that, you know what? Everything that I have, everything that, that I have accumulated, everything that I have achieved, everything that I have accomplished, it's nothing compared to knowing my Jesus. That's what he was asking the man. Are you ready to say that? Are you able to say that? Do you want to be whole? Because Jesus heard the man's answer about, I don't have anybody to help me down into the water when the, when the waters are, are troubled or when the waters are stirred. He heard the words, but he also he knew the heart. And so Jesus answers him, and he says this. Simply get up, take up your mat, and go. Get up, take up your mat, and go. Nothing about the water, 
Nothing about, let me check and see when the angel's going to show up. I think he could have influenced that. Nothing about the pool of Bethesda or all of those who are around. He simply said to the man, do you want to be made whole? And the man said, I don't have any help. And Jesus said, get up. Get up, take up, and go. Here's what Jesus was revealing. That he was the source of healing. That he was the one, not the water. Even though, as I mentioned, he's the one who said, I am the living water. You drink from the living water, you'll never thirst again. And so Jesus says to the man, get up, take up, and go. Get up. If I'm that man, I think I'm laying there, and figuratively I have. And I'm thinking, shouldn't we just start with a little stretching? Can, can I just, can I have a cane? Can I have a walker? Is there a brace? Are you going to help me to my feet? Jesus didn't say, I'll help you to your feet. Jesus said, get up and get your mat and go. Nothing about the water. See, I think we want change. I think most of us want change. We talked about wanting more. I think we also want change. But I think most of us, when it comes to change, we want God to change our circumstances, not our hearts. We want God to change what's going on around us instead of what's going on inside of us. We want God to change. <clears throat> you don't believe me? Think about your prayer life. Do you pray like David? God created me a new heart, a clean heart. God changed me from the inside out. No, you're still praying about your job, and you're praying about your automobile, and you're praying about your marriage, and your God intervened and changed these circumstances, and that's not wrong. Please keep praying. But we have to pray, God, change me. Because you know what? If you'll pray, God, change me, change me on the end, all that other stuff's going to take care of itself. If you will become the man that God calls you to be, your wife all of a sudden is going to want to be more with you. If you... <clears throat> Become the man that God wants you to be. You will get that promotion. God, change me. Don't just change my circumstances. The man at the pool, I'm thinking, does he want his circumstances changed? Does he want his legs strength? <clears throat> but think what must have been going through his mind. 38 years since he had walked. 38 years. There's been muscle atrophy. There is, <clears throat> there is no strength. You want me to just get up? And Jesus says, yeah, get up and walk. So he gives him three commands. Let me break that down just real quick. The first one is that, that very thing. Get up. Get up, Jesus says. So many miraculous things begin with getting up, with, with that step. 
with an action. Right? How about crossing the, the, the Jordan River? When the priests who were carrying the ark, when did the water back up? When their feet, when they took a step, when their feet hit the water, the water backed up. That's when God showed up. When they stood up and they stepped out, God showed up. How about Peter getting out of the boat? Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out there with you and walk on the water. Better be careful what you pray and be careful what you say to the Lord. Because Jesus said to Peter, come on, bring it on. Now, how do you think Peter got out of the boat? You think he just jumped out of the boat and just took off? Well, I don't think he did. I think Peter's doing this. I think Peter is testing the water. That's how some of us jump in. Jesus says, come on, Peter, step out. It begins with responsive faith on our part. The man with the withered hand, remember what Jesus said to him? Jesus says, hey, come up here in front of all these people. Not necessarily what the man would have wanted. And Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched out his hand, it became whole. I don't know what Jesus would have done if the man said, I'd rather not. <clears throat> this man laying there 38 years, it's got to be running through his mind. What if I fail? What are people going to think? What if I look silly? What if I try to stand up and I crumble in a pile? He has to be thinking that. You would be thinking that. I know I would be thinking that. So at some point, we have to make a decision. Am I going to get up? Because we don't experience the miraculous resources of God until we attempt the impossible. As long as it's something that we can handle, why does God need to show up? And so until we choose to step out and step up and try, <clears throat> God has offered it. Try to have the faith to do what he's inviting us to do. We're not going to see him show up. Some people might think you look foolish. Some people might think that that's silly. In fact, I'm going to ask you in a minute, what voice are you listening to? Because this man had to make that choice. He had to answer that question. But he says, get up. And then he says, take up your mat. Take up. There's nothing wrong with having a mat. That was what they slept on. And wherever they were, they would roll it out, and that's where they would lay down, and that's where they would sleep. So it's not about the mat. It's about where you put your mat. And some of you need to take up your mat. 
What Jesus was saying is, you got no more business here. You got no reason to come back here. You need to leave this behind you, and you need to move on and move forward, and let me show you new life. Some of you need to take up your mat. And that means something different for all of us. For some, it's quit laying that mat down down at the corner with the fellas. For some, it's quit laying your mat down at the casino. Quit laying your mat down with some of your old friends or with that lady friend. Take up your mat and put it behind you. And move on. Move forward to what the Lord is calling you to live and to experience. Take up your mat. See, some of us, We've got to get out of this, this mentality of, what have I got to lose? I mean, it'd be easy for that man to have that, that mindset. Hey, what have I got to lose? And we need to start asking the question, what have I got to gain? See, there's so much out there to gain when you get up and take up and go. And that's what the Lord is inviting us to do. Jesus is saying, you're not coming back here. You're done here. Let me show you something new. To truly walk with Jesus, we have got to not just get up. We got to go. We got to chase after righteousness. We have to pursue. I think most places in Scripture where it says, Flee evil, avoid evil, put away evil. It says put on, pursue righteousness, run towards. See, it's not just I'm going to stop this, but I'm going to start this. And so this man, he gets up and he takes that risk. And it is a risk. But to, to truly chase after Jesus, folks, we've got to change. We got to change our playmates and we got to change our playgrounds. All right? We got to go new places, different places with new and different people. We can't keep going back to the same place with the same people and showing up on Sunday and thinking, oh, this is what it's about. That's not it. That's not it. And so this man, he gets up, he takes up, and then Jesus says, and walk. Walk away. Walk away. Some of you, please, walk away. Walk away from those people. Walk away from that place. Walk away from that habit. Walk away from that computer. Walk away. And so this man walks. His life is about to be completely different, completely new, and that's both exciting and it's also scary. And I love, what I love is Jesus, where he, Jesus found him next. You know the story? It's in John 5. Let me, let me read a little further down. Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once, at once, oh, let's not skip that. Right now. Immediately, the man got up, 
Some of y'all have been thinking about getting up for years. At once, he gets up. And the man was cured. And he picked up his mat and he walked. Now the day in which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man, said to the man who had been healed, uh, it's the Sabbath, you can't do that. The law forbids you to be carrying your mat. And the man's reply is, but the one who made me whole told me to. Now, who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the crowd that says, ah, no, don't do that. You can't do that. Are you going to listen to the one who makes you whole? That's a no-brainer. We've got to listen to the right voice. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? But the man did not have an answer because Jesus had slipped away. But verse 14 says, later, Jesus found him at the temple. He went to church. That's where he went. When he experienced something new, he showed up at church. Hey, you've got to show up. This building is just a building. But the spirit of the living God dwells here. And this is where you can be made whole. This is where the Lord wants you to encounter him and dwell in his presence. Jesus found him at church. But the church folk didn't like it. Hey, Ark, don't be that church. Please don't be that church. Please don't be that church that shackles people in chains that Jesus has already broken. Don't be that church that looks at people and goes, I know you, you, don't, you don't belong here. I know you can't do that. I know we do it differently. Be that church that would celebrate this man's freedom, that would celebrate the new life that God just gave him. Why are they even thinking about the mat? They ought to be looking at him and praising God for a life that has been changed. Be that church. Be that church. Hmm. And Jesus isn't done with him, though. Because Jesus looks at him. And what he says to him is, See, you are well. Now go and sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. It sounds a lot like what he said to the woman who was caught in adultery and thrown down before him when he said, no, nor do I condemn you, but go and change your ways. Go and change your life. Go and live life different. See, here I think is the problem. I think most of us, Even this morning, we're looking for forgiveness. We know we need it. Hey, if you don't know you need that, man, let's talk because because you have been blinded. 
We know we need forgiveness. And confession leads to forgiveness. First John says, if we don't think we, if we say we don't have sin, hey, we deceive ourselves and we make God out to be a liar because he has said all of us are sinners. But it also says, if you confess, I will forgive. Some are content with that. Can I challenge you to look for more than just forgiveness? Confession leads to forgiveness. Repentance leads to freedom. Do you want freedom? Because if it's just about confession, if it's just about forgiveness, then you keep meeting the Lord, and some of you are doing this over and over again over the same, the same attitude, the same issue, the same sin. Maybe for 38 years. And he forgives you. And he will. He promises that. He died for that. But he wants you to have more than forgiveness. He wants you to have freedom. And freedom comes from repentance. And repentance is changing. That's why he said to this man, now go and stop. Now he's not telling him to live a sinless life. That's impossible. None of us will live a sinless life on this side. But we can live a life with less sin. And that's what he's saying to them. Hey, quit choosing that. Stop going there. Stop being that way. Do you want to be made whole? C.S. Lewis, the author, says this about that issue of confession. He says, confession without repentance is like a man pulled from his rut, given a new destination and a navigator, but then he returns to the same dead-end path. To live in freedom, it's not enough to recognize that you're on the wrong road and step out of your rut. That's confession. That's recognizing sin. You must also change your direction. That's repentance. You must turn from dead-end paths and turn to God's path and walk with Him as He leads you. You've been given a new destination. You've been given a navigator. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And yet we keep going back to the same ruts. We keep Letting the world squeeze us into that mold. Paul said in Romans 12, don't do that. Do not conform any longer. He's writing that to believers, right? So any longer, that means at one point they were conforming to the ways of the world. Some of them were still choosing that. And he's saying, stop it. Do not conform any longer to the ways of this world, but be transformed by learning to think a new way by the renewing of your mind, by thinking like Christ. We've got to change the way we think. Do you want to be made whole? Forget the past. I know it haunts you. Jesus died for that. Paul said, forgetting everything from my past. I press on 
towards what? The goal of knowing Jesus and being with Jesus and being like Jesus. Don't let your past keep you shackled. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. That's what a Chinese philosopher said. A journey of a thousand miles. You may be looking at that and going, man, I don't know if I can ever get there. You may be looking at another brother or sister and thinking, man, yeah, but she's got it so together. She doesn't have it near as together as you think she does or as much as she wants you to think she does. But you're looking at them going, I don't know if I could ever get there or ever achieve that or ever be like that. Yeah, you can. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. One step. Get up. Take up. And go. I want to close. I want to read an autobiography for you. Don't worry, it's short. Some of you probably have heard it. It's called a, a Hole in My Sidewalk. It's written by a woman named Portia Nielsen. My autobiography in five short chapters. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Some of you are living that chapter. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I still don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there, but I still fall in. It's a habit. It is my fault. I know where I am, and I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. Walk down a different street, my friends. You got to walk down a different street. You can't keep walking down the same street. Trying to avoid the pothole. Walk down a different street. Do you want to be made whole? That's the question that Jesus asked him. That's the question that Jesus is asking you. And if you do, then get up. Get up. If you want to be made whole, get up this morning. And I don't want everybody in here to stand up because I don't think everybody wants to be made whole. If you want to be made whole, then get up. And I'm going to ask Pastor Boyd to come and close us.